Thanks for joining us, the Wealthy Retailer Podcast with your host, Dan Holman. Every episode, Dan dives into the retail headlines that matter to you, the independent retailer. Covering topics ranging from retailer inventory, technology, marketing, retailers' questions, and more. The Wealthy Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Learn more at retailbycrs.com. And now, here's Dan Holman. Hey, everyone. Good morning or afternoon, I guess, wherever you're, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, We are the Wealthy Retailer. uh, And today, uh, the week of May 20th, Rob, May 20th. May 20th. Victoria Day on our doorstep here in Canada. And did it snow like a son of a bitch here last night? <laughs> the, uh, the wardrobe solutions in Alberta consist of you wear your shirts a couple days ago, yeah. winter jacket today, shorts in a day or two again. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to say it's because hockey playoffs are starting today for, for the for team. The Oilers, and yeah, so a little today. reminder that uh, uh, here's some snow to let you know hockey's still going on. Yeah. Uh, right on. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be out of here quick i don't know it's like this one day just got lost right. and uh hey where are you get out of here you're not supposed to be <laughs> yeah and it's double digit again tomorrow i think already so yeah like i say just weird uh yeah. weird little weather anomaly and <laughs> in, in that um hey some uh some good headlines this I'm, I'm looking forward to uh as always you know hearing your thoughts on the different things coming our way a uh, few stories this week that we'll be touching on. Uh, one of them is um, Lightspeed. You know, they, they've come up with another new announcement. They've partnered with Google on a global deal. Yep. And, and this is aimed in boosting small business online. And uh, so that'll be cool. And uh, I like this, you know, five signs that retail is going to be okay. And, and some good indicators, you know, showing the path forward. And then, uh, well, we talked about, you know, whether it's summer fashion or winter fashion, but the story about fashion is adapting uh, for that post-pandemic lifestyle. So, uh, yeah, some good stuff this week. And then, of course, uh, uh, as always, Dan, you got a a retailer question coming your way and uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts there. Okay, Dan. Yeah, that first story comes from thefinancialpost.com, talking about this, this new partnership between Lightspeed and and google um yeah what what jumped out of you in this story what were some of your thoughts well i mean it seems like once a month dax da silva the founder and ceo at lightspeed announces another advancement with their product and i like to think of you know some of these stories or you know and we see a lot of these stories i should i should start by saying there's a lot of this in the news between lightspeed and shopify and there is this king kong versus godzilla and shopify is perhaps the Godzilla, you know, a little bit more raw, a little bit um, perhaps less refined than King Kong, who, who really is Lightspeed right now um, in, in retail POS and, and technology. And this latest announcement from Zach reports that they've now um, have this early ability to embed Google's advertising tools directly into a retailer's commerce site. Um, it is only on the Lightspeed commerce site. Right. Uh, but, you know, Dax has been a bit of a groundbreaker. Um, geez, that's, that maybe pumps the tires up a bit. But he has been a bit of a groundbreaker in some of these, you know, technology partners. And the way that Lightspeed has grown, not just in the last year, but in the last several years. You know, they announced, I mean, it was only a month or so ago that they announced a 350 or $450 million acquisition. Um, 
with Vend. Vend is one of our New Zealand POS partners that now owned by Lightspeed. And this product that, that you know, Google or, or Alphabet, that he made the deal with Alphabet, who is the majority shareholder at Google, um, to embed Google's tools right into their own websites, which then means that, you know, we can, we can integrate and show products out on our Google ads. And there's going to be more of these partnership announcements right, right. for DAX. I think he goes on to say a little bit later in the article, um, you know, they're going to work to integrate the same type of relationship with suppliers to the indie retailers, creating a bit of a seamless transition for inventory displayed. So, you know, what do I like about this article? Just the fact that one of the fastest growing, largest growing point of sale entities is saying to the indie retailer, shit, girls, you got to be on Google, man. You got to get on Google. We've got to be able to be part of the Google mix. And, you know, more importantly than DAX's integration here, Lightspeed's integration is the message that retailers have to be using Google. And more importantly, search, uh, local search optimization. Google has seen searches for businesses, local businesses spike 80% year over year yep. and inquiries on product inventory at nearby smaller retailers or small merchants. This, this question, who has gym equipment in stock has surged by 8,000%. And so we should also be building and running along with those product driven ads, what you have available in your store ads that speak to, um, who we are, or even better, why we are. Um, and again, you know, we talked about the three big ones last week, Alphabet, uh, ByteDance, and, and um, I don't know, who am I forgetting? Oh, Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> that guy. You know, we talked about these last week, or, yep. or maybe two weeks ago on the podcast. And Google is taking a larger share in pushing the indie retailer out in front of the audience and perhaps ahead of some of those bigger paid guys. The, uh, um, when you talk about this, you know, head to head, the battle, these, these big beasts, <laughs> King Kong and, and uh, Godzilla, where do you, where's the conversation start with you and your partners, Dan, that, that, you know, I, I believe Lightspeed kind of builds themselves when it involves more complexity you know, light light speed seems to be the direction where where Shopify is a bit more, we'll say a bit more of that smaller yeah. retail. And as you said, they're each kind of finding their tools that I'm quite certain at the end of the day, they're all going to have a, a version of, right. of that. Um, well, I'm going to say today, you know, let's think back. We've been light speed partners for a long time. So we've been part of that light speed family. And Lightspeed today is at a place where they're building products and integrating products that are theirs, that, are, that, are, that they wholly own. Shopify's not there yet. Shopify, you know, even 20 years old, is still in its infancy. It is still relying on the developer um, you know, marketplace to build integrations for their product. They are a, a, a simple e-com platform. I said this to a retailer yesterday, a large retailer who's still on Shopify. Um, you've got to start thinking about Shopify as only your shopping cart. It is not business intelligence. It contains 
very little business intelligence and the ability to access good data and and tell a story about your customer from a pure data perspective on the inventory side. Yes, they have good conversion and traffic analytics and they can ABC a product, but that, that's, that's to their limit on Shopify. And Lightspeed is certainly at a more mature place when it comes to analytics. And they are, you know, as Dax goes on to say, there's actually a video in this article, a 10 minute yep. video. Um, you know, these public companies, they get that opportunity to, you know, to be on Ameritrade and everywhere else and, and share their story. Um, and so, you know, Dax has done a good job sort of migrating to that path. And he's, he's going to go on to tell you that, that the shopper has evolved. And as a point of sale provider, we need to evolve as well. And that just puts them one step ahead of everybody else that's still focused on, you know, let's, let's, let's build a point of sale system that's really disconnected from the user and the, and the consumer. Well, people out there are wondering what Canadians do on cold, wintry nights. They they build giant POS systems. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that, that just uh, as a bit of a thought, when I think of that integration with Google, like you go on there, you know, you type baseball hat, you know, right. where can I buy a baseball hat? The, these, uh, these results show up, you know, these shopping results. And it, it makes me uh, just encourage again, retailers be it be it their own retail brand or or we've talked about you know creating their own brands mm -hmm. within because because without it it kind of jumps right to price right because right. it, it's showing you side by each with with all the other options there and and right. so it, it does still put a bit you know i'd say quite a bit of prominence on the on on the brand value as well or or right. it is a it's a race to price well, and if you're not promoting your brand, if you're not promoting the who and why, more importantly, the why than the who, then you're only going to play a price game. And, you know, who wins in the price game? One person and one person only, and that's the vendor. The vendor's the only one that ever wins because they're not adjusting their price for you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's Even a good when point. they go direct to consumer, they're not adjusting their yeah. price. So the vendor you're, wins in yeah. this. And you're the one who has to discover game, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, yeah. I've spent a long time becoming horribly successful at, you know, racing to the bottom. And <laughs> Rob, that's just not what we do in retail. That's not our, it can't be our strategy. And price is a race yep. to the bottom of the barrel, man. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for the points on that and a lot of good stuff. And uh, let, let's transition over to the next story coming from retaildive.com. Say great headline and, you know, encouraging as we, we, you know, get up, we dust off and, and looking ahead, but uh, the five signs that retail is going to be okay. It goes through a few things here, Dan, would you like? Yeah. Well, I, Daphne uh, Howland is the, is the author here on retail dive that put this article together and it shows it, it highlights the five signs that, you know, everything's going to be all right. Man, it's a little Bob Marley. Or we start or, singing right now. <laughs> if you're young, if you're young, you know who Bob Marley is. Maybe it's a Kenny Chesney song. I don't know, but yeah, in retail, everything is going to be all right if, 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 if you're doing the right things. And there are five points. I'll sort of highlight their five points. Number okay. one, retail sales have risen through most of the pandemic, and we have and will continue to see double-digit growth year over year. And many retailers, Rob are seeing yep. monthly sales growth over their pre-pandemic months. So April finishes up better in, in 21, certainly than 20. That's a no-brainer, yep. but also better than 19. 
we are seeing a retail resurgence. So number one is that, hey, there's some retail growth happening. And while March or March, April over March might have slowed a bit, you know, in Canada, it's coming on the back of this, this you know, BS closing down of stores again. Um, and it's without a doubt going to see a dip in sales in April and May. And then if, if, these, if these premiers can get their heads out of their asses, you know, and, and maybe get this country back to a place where we can do business, we're going to see a strong, strong rebound in June through September as we head back into fall. So number two yep. for them um, was that it, hey, it may be a new day for clothing sales. And we've seen significant bounce back in athleisure, dresses, outdoor, tees. I mean, any apparel-based retailer right now is, is performing very well. And even formal wear has started to rebound as we gear up for that you know, optimistic summer, yep. right? We're seeing weddings rebooking. We're seeing formal wear, you know, our tuxedo stores are seeing rental bookings again. So there is a bit of a shift for our apparel stores and we're going to be okay. And we're going to talk about some trends in the next story yep. um, that, that comes from Apox, I think it was, but yeah. So number three, um, this one is always inspiring to me. And I think you and I've talked about it there's more store openings than there are store closings. And this, this data from Retail Dive, when viewed as a percentage, is as accurate in Canada as what we're seeing in the US. At the end of March, or as the end of March approached, or as of end of March, maybe I should say, um, retail openings were outpacing clothing closings by about 21%. So, awesome. you know, for every... 10 stores that opened, you know, eight closed. So we're seeing this 20% growth Bit of net know, new. In, yep. in opening versus those that is are it, closing. Is your and sense of US, it now? Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I, I was, was just going <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you go. Whose show is this, man? <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, in the U.S., we're something like 3,350 stores closed as of, you know, March 21. Yep. Um, or pardon me, opened as of 21 and 2,950 closed. So we are definitely seeing retail growth. Now, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, it was just kind of a, a curious question of, of, do you think this is retailers who have lost dusted off and reopening something new or you know we've shared many stories where these are people coming out of other industries other other you know uh, specialties and they're opening their own retailer stores or, or is it a mix of mix and match it is it's totally a mix and match we've seen companies rise from the ashes you know swimco here in alberta yeah. is one of those stories Swimco closed every single one of their stores and then about six or eight weeks ago uh, relaunched their e-com store, um, Swimco. So Swimco is, is back in and open, you know, after closing, I, I don't remember the total number of stores that they had, yeah, 10 or yeah. 12 or a dozen, 13 bakers, dozen, whatever it was, but they've reopened. So you're definitely going to see, Rob, a, a combination of people that have dusted themselves off, that have reformulated their business plan. Yep. And our and our reopening, but you are also seeing, brother, the people that are leaving corporate 
Canada and corporate America to do their own thing. All right. Hey, what's the next one? Um, <laughs> this is the one that we're going to talk about. Yeah. You know, some passion here. No, didn't. Wasn't there a couple more things in the, sorry, I'm thinking of the, the five signs of retail we were, we were talking about. Oh yeah. About shit. The, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had three. Okay. Number four. <laughs> See what happens when we jump off. I, I blew you off track, them. man. I know. I, I, I blame me. I'm, I'm good at that. I got big squirrel, shoulders. man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. Number one was retail sales are rising through the pandemic. Number two, um, a new day for clothing retail. Number three, more stores are opening. Number four, is telling us that the industry's recovery is broad-based. And um, this statistic or stat came from Moody's Investor Service yep. that reports that it's, that it's expected retailers' operating profit in the aggregate will grow this year to a robust 10 or 12%. And the um, uh, National Retail Federation chief economist, Jack Kleinhens, noted the same thing. And... I think I maybe already beat up on premiers a little bit, but you know, I hate <laughs> no, to say no. this, but it's, I'm saying this because yeah. it's the truth. As we see more and more of our population line up for vaccination, government will lose its shutdown control and retailers are going to see significant benefit from this pent up demand and profit is going to come from us being lean We've been forced into this lean position. Yep. We've let go of, of, you know, the fluff staff that, are, that exist in our business and held on to only those that are essential to us. And it's, it's helping us become more lean in our operating ability. And we are going to see better profits. And we're already seeing that. You know, we're measuring profitability with our retailers every single month. We, we need to know where break even is every month so that we can see profit. And the elusive double-digit profitability is going to find a bunch of retailers, or the retailers are going to find that, that profitability. Awesome. And then number five, of course, we have to talk a little bit about evolution. And, you know, Retail Dive's fifth sign that everything's going to be all right is that retailers have evolved this year um, or in the last 15 months. And we've become, or are in the process, as I said, Rob, of becoming more lean, way more lean. And, and probably more lean than we were ever, even when we, you know, perhaps first started. Yeah. And we have today better managed inventories. We've learned to spread our cash out. We've learned to adopt technology that allows us a broader reach. And most of us, most of us retailers have shifted our thinking to become profit first, which is a, the the... The, the only key factor in any sustainability. You've got to think in terms of profit first. And so we are evolving as a, as a retail community. So yeah, you know, whether it's Bob Marley or, or David Lee Murphy or Kenny Chesney, man, everything is <laughs> going to be all right in retail. If, you, if you're lean, you know, if you're healthy and, and if you know how to get healthy, yeah. you got to see the signs of illness very, very quickly. I love that part you said about the, and we've talked about this too, the uh, retailers broadening their reach, you know, looking into different corners, different channels that, that were a temp, well, not a temporary, but a forced, we, yeah. we got to find new channels. But then when we get back to normal, you're not going to walk away from those. You, you've got these added uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, means of, of uh, selling in your business. So yeah, we've broadened our horizon here. We've broadened our market reach yep. through, through the acquisition of technology. 
This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. We've been empowering retailers across North America for 30 years with the latest in point-of-sale technology, best-in-class support, merchandise intelligence with open-to-buy planning, and much more. CRS has the retail solution to help take your retail business to the next level of success. Visit retailbycrs.com to learn more. Remember, Canadian Retail Solutions exists to help make you, the independent retailer, better. Okay, Dan, now's the time for that (laughs) fashion story. Uh, Coming from Axios.com, a story about, you know, well, fashion is adapting for that post-pandemic lifestyle. The the sweats are getting put away, and and uh, well, what did what did you see out of this story, Dan? Yeah, this was a this was a really good article, and I've read a bunch of stuff from these guys, um, and so I'm going to share a bit of this article. Um, I'm going to say verbatim, but I'll do it as close as I can. You know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not as eloquent as some of these writers. So, um, but this is what they write: consumers and retailers alike are still trying to figure out what Americans and Canadians will want to wear as they head back out into the world after a year at home in sweatpants. Yep. And so why does this matter? Well, the choices people make about their post-pandemic wardrobe will help define what exactly our new normal is. They'll indicate how both work and socializing has changed and will tell a story of how people are expressing themselves in the aftermath of a year of transformation. And so let's just pause for a second and, and think about the people that you've engaged with in the last couple of months. There is certainly, you know, a, a large portion of the audience that's dressing down for business. And then there is that portion that always dressed down that's now dressing up for business. That we're seeing this mixture of what people are wearing, even out in their business attire, right? I mean, our yep. tie is going to exist in a few months at anything but a wedding or a funeral, you know? And I mean, funerals have <laughs> you know, been virtually non-existent. I shouldn't laugh when I say that word, but funerals have virtually been non-existent or have lived in a virtual yep. setting, which, you know, means that we're in a much, we're, we're more casually dressed. And I think this article is going to, is going to highlight some of that. So we do want to pay attention to what we're doing and, and what we're watching as sales begin to tick back up, both men and women seem to be moving on from the lockdown, but looks aren't simply snapping back to what they were, the, you know, that pre pandemic taste handbags um, or handbag designers uh, are still making compartments for hand sanitizer and will probably continue said, uh, Lainey Scribner, uh, Scribe, Schreiber, sorry, of Latico Leathers, we made sure to include pockets for all of our new essentials, right? Yeah. And so some of the habits that we formed are going to live inside fashion going forward or inside the products that we buy going forward. This article also highlighted some of the things that were trending. And so uh, Camille Wright of Style Consortium, which is a multi-line showroom, says, not a lot of suits and almost anything without a zipper or buttons is selling right now. They cannot get enough dresses. Everyone wants to wear a dress. Rob, you can let it out. It's okay. They want to be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I'm going to tell you that for all of the, the, the retailers, the fashion retailers that I personally work with, 
dresses is on a boom. And in stores where dresses was our worst ever investment, it's now the best investment. It's got massive return on investment if we're buying the right dresses for our audience. And we're going to talk about you know, what we should be paying attention to. Okay. So if, if they can't get enough dresses, what else is it? Well, it's anything soft and flowing, especially in block prints and bright colors, pink, turquoise, lavender, all in. So if you're a fashion retailer, maybe check out this article in our, in our newsletter this week and see more of what that, you know, these ladies that are part of, you know, um, um, the style consortiums and the designers and, you know, upcoming markets are showing as the trend. And so I'm going to ask Rob, you know, what else should we be paying attention to? I'm going to ask the question, but it's, it's perhaps rhetorical. Um, you know, I, I want us, if we're not yet looking at our store's performance on a deeper classification level yep. than we ever have to start making that shift, we need to know at a class level what's performing when and and. The most important lesson that we've learned in the last few months, sales and discounts are not making consumers act. They're not, it's not making consumers buy. They want new, fresh merchandise. We need to be paying very, very close attention to our new goods and landing them in the store every single week. We talked about the race to the bottom. And if you're going to just slash and burn prices to try to clean up your inventory, it's a slow ride to the bottom, not a fast one, because the consumer right now wants new. And listen, this is, this is perhaps even a proven statistic in our world. Three out of 10 customers that walk in your store are perhaps prepared to buy something that's on markdown. Seven out of 10 don't even want something on markdown because they think there's something wrong. So every time you red pen an item, it's telling them there's something wrong with it. And subconsciously, you're perhaps stopping your customer from making that buying decision. You're far better off to use a promotional strategy in your store than a simple slash and burn strategy in your store. Dan, you mentioned going to markets, and I think that kind of touches in the retailer question of the week that uh, that came up for you this week. Uh, yeah, tell us about this conversation. Well, so this happened um, at the very end of last week. I was um, I was on a call with Kay from Sassy B. Kay is one of what I call our wealthy retailers. Um, she is in uh, in Virginia, um, and and talked about. You know, there's a bit of panic out here right now, Dan. She's in, in home goods and accessories, home accessories, a little bit of personal accessories. Um, but really, you know, we think of her as a home goods and accessory category store. Perhaps kitchen for some other yeah. stores that, that aren't sure where that lands. Um, and she talked about that there is a bit of a panic right now. That even the reps and the wholesalers are saying we're running out of product. You got to place orders sooner than later. There's going to be a deficiency. And this is the exact same thing, Rob, that we're seeing across every single vertical that we work in. You know, cannabis is the only vertical that seems to have a pretty decent supply. Um, Cannabis and liquor is holding its own, but everything else is is challenged. You know, one in three bike stores this year are going to file. 
you know, we're in trouble in the bike industry and, and perhaps we're not even really recognizing it in home goods. The same thing, you know, there is a massive shortage there's a supply chain disruption and we're seeing it in apparel. We're seeing it in home goods. We're seeing it in furniture. You know, furniture has got 16 to 20 week lead time to buy a, you know, bloody sofa. So we're seeing lots of disruption. And so then, you know, our conversation with Kay quickly moved to, you know, should I go to Dallas market? It's not one that I normally attend, but it's ahead of Atlanta. Should I get there and get there early? And I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's an opportunity for you to go to market, you got to go to market. You can't even hesitate. You can't even think twice about it. You have to get to market. And more importantly, because the, of, of there being a supply challenge, You've got to be looking for other opportunities in your store. And there's two things that have really happened. We've seen, you know, as we just talked about, a ton of stores close and a bunch that are reopening. And do you want that reopened store to have a line that perhaps you might have wanted? You know, so let's get in front of them. Let's get to market. And going to market allows us the opportunity to expand our, our horizon, to look out at more. And we should be attending every possible market that we can go to in search of the next A-list vendor, A-list item, A-list product in your store. And, you know, for Kay, you know, going to Atlanta is a hell of a lot easier than probably going over to Dallas, Texas but she's probably going to get ahead of someone else by going to Dallas. And she's going to see things early that she can now start to realign her assortment, her presentation, our budget when we go to buy. And so this conversation happens with Kay. I think it was last Friday morning and between Friday and yesterday, I had three more conversations with customers or clients, retailers, pardon me. Same topic. um, On the same topic. You know, Dan, I'm starting to get, you know, barraged with magic invitations. And should I be going to magic? And now no show has announced they're coming back. And, you know, what should I be doing? And I'm like, you know, come hell or high water, you got to go to market. If you got to drive yourself or walk your ass across the border to fly on a plane, to get on a plane somewhere, do it. You've got to be protecting your, your business by buying product. If you're not buying, you ain't selling. And as you said right now, a lot of time is money (laughs) right now. Yeah. And, and for the Canadian retailers, fashion retailers, you know, that, that aren't going to New York like they maybe normally would or not going to L.A. like they maybe normally would. It's got to be a high priority to get to these markets, a high priority. And I'm not saying, oh, my God, sacrifice your life and go to market. Do what you got to do to protect yourself, but get your ass to market. No. We got to go to market. And so then that's maybe for me, Rob, a bit of a segue If you are going to go to market, here's three things that I really think you need to pay attention to at market. You got to walk the floor. If you're that person that just books yourself with appointments and you never get to see anyone new, you're missing 90% of what market's all about. You got to get to market and you got to walk the floor. You got to take some notes. You got to write things down that you want to go back and revisit. You know, you spend that first day or half a day just cruising the floor looking for things that inspire or excite you. If you only go back to your booked appointments, you miss the good stuff. You know, and no matter what show you're going to, 
there's opportunity for you to go and see new vendors. So number one, you walk the floor before yep. ever attending appointment. Number two, you've got to spend, you've got to commit to spend at least 20 to 30% of your open to buy on test vendors and test merchandise. Test vendors that I haven't worked with in the last year, products I perhaps haven't carried in my store. And, you know, we're going to market with this, this preformed knowledge, this preformed education about what our customer spending habits have been in my store at the class or category level, not that was the a vendor question level. I was going to ask is it test category, Dan, or category, 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 okay. test, uh, test new products within your categories. Okay. Okay. Right. You got to know, you got to know what categories are on in your store and which ones are off. And more importantly than fixing the ones that are off, replicate the ones that are on. Figure out why it's working. Is it price point, style, color, fit? You know, is it a utensil? What is it? Is it a tool? Why is it working? Not why is it not working? You know, we often spend so much time, Rob, beating ourselves up for what we don't know. We hold ourselves to this, you know, unachievable standard on what we don't know. Man, don't worry about what you don't know. Focus on what you do know and replicate the success that you have, not the failures that you're having. How do you ignore failure? Identify the steps to success in every category. Price point, margin. I mean, everything is important here in identifying why is something working. So you've got to commit 20 to 30% of your open to buy on test merchandise, test vendors, test categories, and see where the you know, lines can be bowed yep. in your store, right? Awesome. Number three for me is you got to own your power. And what do I mean when I say own your power? Independent retailers are the most powerful entities at market. You know, you're not shopping alongside Macy's. You're shopping alongside other indie retailers, right? You got to own your power. You've got to be aggressive. We buy aggressively. We play offense, not defense at market. It's way better to overbuy and cut or trim orders than it is to underbuy. The greatest, fastest death sentence in retail is underbuying, not overbuying. And, you know, this may be a contentious issue with some, yeah. but I would much rather hold hands with a retailer that's overbought than one that's underbought. Underbought, no sales. I mean, no inventory, no sales. Overbought, lots of inventory. Maybe I got to mark it down to get some cash, but at least I've got something to sell. So you got to be aggressive. What else does it mean to own your power? You've got to be data-driven. You know, you've got to come to market with a bit of science behind your art, right? Nice. And be data-driven. I love this, but the data tells me maybe I'm the only one that's going to love it. You know, lean hard on data. And the last thing you've got to be to own your power is you've got to be forgiving. You got to erase the past, broken relationships, strained relationships that have happened in the last, you know, 18 months or, or in your previous life with a vendor. Just be forgiving. Start anew. Own your power. Go in there like, hey, we're starting fresh from like today. Yep. Yeah. The most powerful thing we can do is forgive. Sell me, win me over again. What do you got? Yeah. 
Let's figure this out together. You know, so Kay did not send this message through the wealthy retailer, nor did I ask for her permission to share it. (laughs) But I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I was just going to say, go with the forgiveness (laughs) line, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. So retailers, um, you know, any question you have, just fire an email to Dan at thewealthyretailer.com. Uh, and, and let's just work through this together. Yeah. This happened to be a question that Kay had that repeated itself three or four times in a matter of a few days. So your question may not be your question. It may yeah. be a lot of people's questions. So do yourself and your community a favor and ask it. Don't ever be afraid to put your hand up and say, hey, got a question. You know, Dan at thewealthyretailer.com. And uh, I promise you're going to answer right away. Perfect. And folks, if you haven't yet, please head to retailbycrs.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Dan said, we got the links to these stories in here. A lot of good stuff to, you know, you heard it, you heard the bit of the view on it, but you know, your chance to dive in and read it as well. Uh, In addition, we'll have a few more stories. We've got one talking about, you know, when you're a small independent operator, uh, obviously best practices and labor management are crucial to your bottom line. Uh, we got a story about how managers should approach their their labor management. And uh, I like this one. It, it was a pretty cool, um, I believe it was like a, a DBA person or, or that viewpoint, observations yeah. from downtown small businesses and that not, not only survived the economic storm, but are also well positioned to, to emerge stronger from it. It was a story just kind of written from that viewpoint of, we'll call it fact of, of what they witnessed over the past year. Right those who thrived and, and uh, sharing some good ideas there. And then uh, the, the good old, the rise of curbside pickup and a story about best practices for retailers. So we'll have those links in uh, this week's uh, newsletter and uh, yeah, great job, Dan. Yeah. Thank you. Listen, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, it, it feel free to leave a, leave a comment on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you feel like you want to watch us two clowns, uh, you can head over to the YouTube page at The Wealthy Retailer and watch this video. Uh, But whatever you do, I hope you have a fabulous week in retail. 